And now I find that some of my Republican colleagues are very distressed. They're very upset that somebody who's making 10, 12 bucks an hour might end up with a paycheck for four months more than they received last week. Oh my God, the universe is collapsing. Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and losing money on the 2020 election using online prediction markets. I am David Reese and I am joined on the line, quarantine safe by Starly Kine. Hi, Starly. Hi. And my old friend, John Kimball. Hello there, John. Hey, guys. How are you guys holding up? Okay. Yeah, hanging in there. Good. Uh we have a lot to talk about on this episode, but we wanted to start by acknowledging that we are uh, living in a nightmare, and we hope everyone listening is taking care of themselves and their loved ones, keeping their distance, uh, and doing their best to keep their sanity. Having said that, many, many incredibly profitable markets for the election profit makers this week. We're going to talk about the passage of the CARES Act. We're going to talk about Trump's approval rating, Richard Burr update. We have a very good listener question designed specifically for John Kimball. And then at the end of this episode, I'm going to make a shocking prediction that will change the nature of this presidential election forever. John, last week, Congress passed something known as the CARES Act. The Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act. You know I'm a fiend for legislative acronyms. Um, this was, of course, a tremendous uh, boon for major corporations who walked away with billions of dollars. Regular Americans got, I don't know, 75 cents. But you, this was a this was a great stimulus package for you because you made a little money that night, did it, you, John? I, I did, David. I I decided to get in on one of the markets on Predict It, which um, the question was, when will the Senate pass the CARES Act? And there had been a number of days, you know, they had the 23rd, the 24th, the 25th, the 26th, the 27th, and and a bunch of them had already passed. And I decided I was going to go in on March 25th. You were a Wednesday night warrior. You were assuming it was going to pass on a Wednesday night. Exactly. So it had been creeping up all day. So there were obviously people that were thinking, hey, they're getting close. They're getting close. They kept all these football metaphors. You know, we're on the two-yard line. We're at the goal line, whatever. So I said, I'm getting in. I started buying shares at about 60 cents. And it started moving up in the evening. And then I decided I was going to call one of my inside sources who used to work on the Hill, uh, my friend Andrew. That's right. And I said, Andrew, what can you tell me? I'm in this market, and uh, I'm I'm worried that it might not end up resolving tonight, and I'm going to lose my money. And he said, hang on. I'm going to check with somebody. I'll get back to you. He got back to me within two minutes, and he said, it's a sure thing. Guaranteed. It's happening. It's And this this was about 930 at this point. He said, it's going to happen within the next 45 minutes. He said, all the language is written. It's a sure thing. Go all in. So I started building a position and I got up to $700. I'm in- so happy the Zoom is working now because the smile on your face <laughs> is, the, is, the, is the warmest thing I've seen in two weeks since I've been cooped up in my hovel here. <laughs> it's the sun coming through the through the slats in the window shades. Hitting the, yeah, exactly. So... What ended up happening shortly after I got in there, it started to crash. I had this position at about an average of 70 some cents. 
And then it went up higher. It went up to like 85, the high 80s. And then it just started crashing, crashing, crashing within 20 minutes. And I was sending texts to Andrew like, it's at 70 now. I'm underwater. It's at 68. It's at 62. Should I be worried? And he kept saying, no, no, fine. It's fine. It's a done deal. And I'm like, it's at 50. (laughs) And he got on the phone with his, his contact again. And they said, well, there's been a little delay. Uh, there's a problem with the language. They're, they're working on it. So it's still going to happen tonight. And, and I told Andrew, I said, yeah, I, tonight I need it to happen by midnight, though. If it doesn't happen by midnight, right. I lose my money. And, and at that point, he said, how much are you in for? And I said, 700. And then there's this pause. And he's like, okay. Okay, I'll call, I'll call Jared. We'll make this a priority. Yeah. He's like, okay, um, these people don't know. You're fine. You're going to be fine. And the delay kept going, but the market finally went up and it got to about 80 cents at 1030. This was an hour and a half before. And I said to Andrew, I can get out now and make 130 bucks as opposed to staying in to the end and, and, and making about 300. And he said, yeah, I think you should get out. So I got out then. And then quickly after that, it went up into the high 90s. But the bill did not pass until about 15 minutes to midnight. So it really was close. This sure thing wasn't that sure. But I made money. So you would have you would have made 300 if you stuck in there until then. But you made $150 this way and, and caused yourself less anxiety. And if it hadn't passed at midnight, you would have lost 700 Yeah, something like that. And there was no way I could afford that. So I just I got the heck out. How did you feel about your decision to get out once you saw that it passed 15 to midnight? You know, I didn't feel bad. Yeah, I didn't feel bad about my my decision to get out, it passing 15 minutes before midnight. But within five minutes after I got out at 80, it was up to 95. So <laughs> had I waited, I could have just gotten out at 95. Is it because it was, did everyone have an Andrew? that was giving them information? How, what was causing all the fluctuation? I mean, a lot of it was just people reacting to tweets from reporters that were there. They were reporting a lot of the same things. But Andrew had an actual staffer who was in there writing the bill. So there may have been other people that had inside information like that. And that's, that, I mean, that's generally why prediction markets have value is because they encourage that type of insider trading. Insider trading is not discouraged in this market. Right. It's rewarded. Here's what John texted me Wednesday night. John, oh my gosh, John, looking through this text thread, John, I see the, I see Icarus once again, <laughs> putting on his waxen wings and heading towards the sun and then flying too close, and then falling, and then announcing like, oh, this was part of my plan the whole time, and then dumping his wings and selling them for cash. At one point, you texted me, pays to have an insider, and then you went into all caps mode. Literally. It literally pays. Me money so much. $300. (laughs) Unbelievable. But I invited you guys to get in on it. You hectored us. I don't know if it was an invitation. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I wouldn't describe an invitation is like, hey, you want to come to my birthday party on Saturday? You were more <laughs> like, if you don't come to my birthday party on Saturday, you're a goddamn idiot. Get, come to my birthday party on Saturday. Damn it. That's what it was more like. And of course, because I've been on a hot streak against you recently, I decided to bet that it wouldn't pass until the next day, Thursday night. So I lost a little money, but not a lot. When you were watching that, was that the, your most exciting night of quarantine, John? 
Yeah. Yeah, that was very exciting. Um, and, and then I got out of quarantine this weekend. So David and I have been in quarantine for 14 days since we got off the cruise ship. So actually, the most exciting day of quarantine was when I got released on Sunday morning and finally got to see my daughter, who I hadn't seen in a long time. Because you hadn't seen her since before the cruise. Yep. So that was did you, awesome. Did you hand her $150? <laughs> no, I, no, I haven't cashed out yet. But we went for a nice hike, and mm. it was all good. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Good week for John. Good week for John. Yeah. My hot streak, I feel like, against John is still going. Well, that's no, not Star- true, Starly. Starly's still definitely. Oh, the, uh, oh. Last yeah. week's bet. Starly and I lost money on the presidential approval rating. We bet that it would dip down a little, and John said it would not. John was right. The president's approval rating is pretty good right now. Not enough for everybody to freak out and panic, I don't think. I don't think it will affect the election. Well, actually, I don't know. John, is COVID-19 the best thing to ever happen to our incumbent president? Yeah, at this point, it's really helping him. His approval ratings are going up because of the rally around the flag effect. But I think last time I wasn't so sure that his approval ratings were going to keep going up. I thought that they had reached their peak. So. Yeah. Full disclosure. I don't know if I was right last week. I also don't consider that part of the hot streak. I took a position about the approval market only because I needed to, in order to keep my sanity, that I need to believe he's not going to have his approval rating go up. But that was not an against John bet. That was a, I am keeping myself safe in quarantine with my mind and spirit bet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's a safety streak. So guys, let's talk about these approval ratings really quick because some people uh, are freaking out a little. Um, they're the highest they've been in years. He's in the high 40s. People love his handling of the coronavirus. Um, everyone's excited to see if the can keep the tally, the death tally to under 100,000 uh, fatalities, which will mean that he has triumphed once again. The art of the deal transcends even the most vicious viruses and medical pandemics. Uh, people seem to like his... Um, AirSats rallies, which are billed as health press conferences, but are just him continuing to insult and demean people who confuse and threaten him by understanding the world he lives in and feels he cannot control. Uh, So his approval rating is up. I wouldn't spend too much time thinking about it. It will make you depressed and despondent. (laughs) Uh, But John, you seem less concerned than Starley and I do about these approval ratings, at least as as far as they pertain to the 2020 election and our money. I'm only not concerned because we have so much time. I mean, boy, if it were September or October right now, I'd be really nervous. And 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 maybe when we get there, I'll be nervous. But but right now, we just have a lot of time. And I think that even if if Trump comes out of this heroic with you know eighty five thousand people dead or whatever, this is going to be a. a a partisan thing and Trump is going to have his commercials showing him, you know, saluting the US Navy ship Comfort and and going around and, you know, looking like a hero and then Biden on the other hand is going to have all these um commercials showing Trump well the reality of Trump just looking like an idiot in my opinion. So I think it'll be a wash. Wow. I don't think it'll help him or hurt him. Wow. That's that's just what I'm thinking. But it's definitely helping him at the moment. I, I the reason I think it's gonna I think it's gonna help him. I think it's sick and perverse it's gonna help him, but I do think it is. Um because I think the same people who loved him will continue to love him. 
Nothing will ever change those people's minds. But I think his presidency hasn't been tested until now, right? And so mm-hmm. even though the test is now happening and he's failing that test, this idea that a test is happening is making people think he's a real president. He's been tested. Him, in, him, he, he's, be, he's been tested. He's enduring a test. That's what presidents do. Therefore, we keep him as our president. I don't wow. think. Wow. Yeah. No, it make, it, that makes sense. That's a good argument. I don't like. I don't like that. And I mean, I think some there's a, there'll be a small undercurrent of people too who are like, the boat is already so leaky, we can't get him out. That 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 kind of change in these kind of times is too risky. But I think it's more just that it weirdly makes him. It's like he's finally become presidential. Are you saying it's that ins- there are some people who would vote for Biden? And now won't because they'll be like, well, we're in the middle of a crisis. We shouldn't switch horses in in midstream. I think there's two there's two factions. I think some people are going to think that. And I think I think it will hurt us how Biden acts. So that's what what, it won't be a draw in that sense, because I think he won't seem strong enough to weather this. And Trump's it's literally like Trump is saying is just getting up there and making it growling. And that is radiating his strength. Mm, mm-hmm. They're not listening to the words. They're not listening to the facts, but they didn't mm-hmm. listen to the facts before. Mm-hmm. And so he just seems like this strong, growling creature up there <laughs> leading us through this instead of the frailest um, matchstick that could be snap in half at any second. The porcelain doll that is Joe Biden. Yeah. This like fragile, the, weak. Yeah. The, the, when guy. you go into space and you take your astronaut helmet off and you turn into, and your face turns into dust. Uh-huh. That's president. Joe Biden right before yeah. that happens, right <laughs> yes. as you've lifted the helmet off and you're looking yes. down at the earth for the, the big blue marble for the last time. Then yeah. you turn into Joe Biden lookalike and then your face turns into dust. Yeah. John, what say you? Well, like I said before, I, I just think that we still have a lot of time. So I I understand Starley's position and I think that there is some truth to that right now. I think Biden looks particularly inept at the moment because he's hamstrung. He's not a politician. He doesn't have any particular leadership role. There aren't any primaries happening where he could be rolling up victories and having positive press that way. The only thing he can do is get down in his basement. And even if he's performing (laughs) much better than he was last week, which I think he he is, Uh, it still doesn't look- Keep putting on those basement shows. It doesn't look I mean, he, he it it doesn't look heroic or like a leader. No, it doesn't. Compared to Trump, <laughs> an old who, man hiding in a basement, that doesn't look heroic to you. But it's not his fault. It's just the the circumstances that we're in. He should have bought a house with higher ceilings. Yes, he has no long range planning ability. It's true. Trump is literally trying to make a bargain. He's trying to do art of the deal with the virus itself. Like I mean, a that, comic book yeah. villain, he is saying, I will battle the virus and I will punch it if it goes over 100,000 deaths. And he's already also accepted, by the way, 100,000 deaths as collateral damage. Well, he has to get everyone acclimated to that as soon as possible. I mean, that's... Well, he is. You talk about moving the goalposts <laughs> from like, what was it, 15? And he said it was going to be... He was like, it's going to be 15 people and then it's going to go away like a miracle. <laughs> and now it's like, anything less than 100,000 deaths is total vindication of my incredible epidemiology skills, right? So that's a pretty big goalpost move. I would be interested actually to hear from people if they can remember a more rapid and more extreme moving of the goalposts from (laughs) under 20 deaths to anything under 100,000, 
fucking hundred thousand dead Americans because mm-hmm. they didn't get their shit together. They n- didn't read the viral preparation planning shit that Obama's administration left for them or whatever. Yeah, that he just awful. didn't want it to tank the markets. And now we just have to eat a hundred thousand deaths like it's nothing, and that it's actually a that's like a positive. It's amazing. A victory. To me. A yeah, victory. a victory. And I'm sure he'll also twist it that those 100,000 people were weak and that it was their fault because he doesn't get it. Right. They should have been healthy. They should have been young. Yeah. John, I do want you to know that he's up by nine nine cents over Biden on Predictor right now. Who will win the 2020 presidential election? Donald Trump, 50. Joe Biden, 41. And fucking Andrew Cuomo. Everybody stop having fantasies. Five cents. Come on. Meanwhile, I still have Elizabeth Warren talking about not having fantasies. But anyway, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Oh, God. All right. I don't want to talk about that anymore. Like we said at the top of the show, we're living in a nightmare, and we just hope everybody's doing okay. This is not the optimal situation for us to be in. Uncontroversial statement of the week. Yeah. And we do have, you guys are invited to do what I do, is there are markets like this when it comes to the approval rating that you can, that are a form of escapism, that you can try to manipulate reality however you want to. Here we go. I say, come on board. This is a safe market to build your own little Sims universe out of. Dr. Starley recommending self-medication <laughs> with markets. Very intriguing. Yeah. Very high yeah. dosage of these markets might be good for your health. Create your own reality, right? Yeah. It's like building your own little Sims house. Create your own reality. You can you can build the markets however you want to. And then you can live inside those markets. Just don't build any swimming pools because that's how you drown. All right. uh, Now I want to talk about a little something from last week. This is my new obsession. You guys remember that we were talking about uh, North Carolina Senator Richard Burr, and he did some unseemly uh, doublespeak about the damage the virus was going to do. And then he proceeded to dump a shit ton of his stock portfolio in anticipation of how the world would change once the virus hits. He dumped a lot of like hospitality industry stocks. And I said, I'm going to take him down because I'm invested in this market that he will be out by May 1st. There is a predicted market. Will Richard Burr be a unit senator on May 1st? It's trading, yes, at 84 cents, but I'm holding a position against that because I'm a hero and I'm a person who who loves to see justice and loves to make money and get bankrolled off the off the off the contrails of justice. Um, here's what I'll say. This is a long shot. And my strategy last week of bringing Senator Burr to his knees by my incendiary postcard campaign, where I would be sending postcards from California to North Carolina. And as they flew across the country, across the heartland, they would build up all this psychic energy from everyone else in the middle of America who had contempt for this asshole. Turns out that's not the best idea. I'm going to read to you guys now from a long message that we got on our Patreon account, patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. This is a great way to stay in touch with us and DM us and get exclusive benefits and yada, yada, yada. But the important thing about this is that one of our patrons wrote to me as a former congressional intern, that is the type of person who answers the calls and reads the mail that constituents send to their representatives. This is what I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm keeping this person anonymous by request, and I'm also not going to read the entire email. But here's how it starts off. First things first, David, do not contact Burr's office if you are not a resident of North Carolina. I read that. I threw my laptop across across the room. It broke. I went online. I bought a second laptop. The laptop arrived four days later, and then I kept reading. Legally, they write, congressional offices only have to pay attention to correspondence from constituents. There's a couple exceptions there we don't need to get into. This is what everyone outside of North Carolina should do instead. Here's where I leaned into my laptop. (laughs) 
You send postcards or you call your own senator instead and you urge them to either support an immediate ethics investigation or demand Burr's resignation. And uh, I'm sure a lot of you people know this from experience, from earning mixtapes in the past. Calls are best, then letters or postcards. Low on the priority is email and faxes because it's hard to tell if that's from a real human constituent. Okay, so after you've called your senators, then you call 10 friends and get them to contact their senators about the same issue. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm proud to say Kid Midas is back, the hottest political activist on the scene, the fiery fingers of a phone addict. I called my two senators. Neither of them were in their office, of course. Left a very nice voicemail message. I said, you guys need to support this ethics investigation into Richard Burr. What he did with his doublespeak and his stock dumping is completely shady and sketchy. And I expect both of you to get your acts together. I'm, I'm embellishing here. Get your acts together and uh, support an investigation into Richard Burr and to call for his resignation. Now, I'm going to do this every day from now until May 1st. This is my new spiritual practice. You know how you go on Instagram now and everyone's like, oh, I've decided to take this time to rediscover my yoga practice or like, yeah, I'm making a herbal tea all day and then I'm bathing in it and I'm trying to align my chakras. This is a good healing opportunity for me. Well, this is going to be my meditative practice, okay? This is my sand mandala. I'm going to put in countless hours of works and it might all just blow away at the end of this experience. But from every day, from now until May 1st, I'm going to call my damn senders and tell them to do everything they can to get Richard Burr out of office. Am I going to mention that I have a financial stake in this? Maybe not. The grander <laughs> thing is the conflict of interest and the and the, the the base and demeaning exploitation of massive human catastrophe for your own personal financial gain. It's just a metaphor of everything that's going on. Burr's, Burr's activity is just a metaphor for this whole fucking CARES Act that's just throwing money at the airports as the airports continue to fire people or, you know, whatever the fuck is happening, you know? So, guys, please, as a favor to Kid Midas... Call your senders and tell them to support the review and renewal of Richard Burr. Now, this morning, John Kimball texts me. My buddy texts me. I wake up to the text that the Department of Justice is beginning an investigation into all these senators who dumped stock before the public knew the true extent of the warnings that people were getting about the coronavirus. So I take this as a good step in my direction. Your phone calls work. When I go to check my portfolio on this market, will Richard Burr be a U.S. senator on May 1st? It's down three cents to 81 cents. My reign of terror against Richard Burr has begun. All anyone is going to be talking about on May 1st is the triumph of David, literally and biblically David, Kid Midas, the rave rider against the Goliath, Richard Burr, this sketchy dude from North Carolina, my home state. I'm taking him down with my daily calls to my senators, and I need all my Kid Midas mercenaries to fire up their phones and get their index fingers burning fucking hot. Call your senators and ask for Richard Burr to be removed from office. I know I can make this happen. And John, I know you agree with me. Say so now. I, I do agree with you. And Oh, just, really? It, no. In the interest of full disclosure, I don't I don't know if he's going to be out by May 1st, but I sold yesterday at 90 cents. I got oh. out. I don't, I don't want to get greedy. And then, when I, and then when I saw that FBI report today, I was like, I'm glad I got out. So See? All right. This is one specific thing we can... I mean, so here's the thing. Obviously, I'll be serious for a second. 
we're in the middle of something that is, it's just foundationally horrible and awful. And a lot of us feel like there's so little we can do other than stay inside our house and binge watch Netflix shows for the good of the nation. Shout out to Ozark season three. It's getting a little hard for me to believe, but whatever, we'll put that aside. (laughs) There are still things we can do. And obviously, I'm kind of having a goof with this Burr thing, but at least show our representatives that we're still fucking paying attention in the midst of all this. And the Burr thing, like I said, is just a microcosm of all the other huge things that constantly happen during crises, right? This is what that book is about, disaster capitalism. Everything gets rewritten to further build up the ruling class and stuff, and everyone else is getting stepped on and stomped on and carried away in bags, right? So for me, the Richard Burr thing is just one particular instance of a broader phenomenon, but it's so specific to this one individual, it does kind of feel like I can make a little bit of a stink about it, and at least one person will pay attention to me. And now that I know even John Kimball, right? The centrist Svengali, the guy who never wants to rock the boat or do anything but make money. The you fact know, that he has changed his position in the Richard Burr resignation market. I feel like we are turning the tide. The, the tide has turned. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. Can I just jump in for the listeners that aren't paying attention for you laying it on that thick? I am not okay. the centrist. I'm just as left as David and Starley. I'm not a centrist. All right. All right. I mean, that's what a centrist would say in this moment, I, right? I, I, but I that's fine. We honor that. And we and we and and your story, we honor your story. And we believe that you believe what you're saying approaches <laughs> the truth. And we'll just leave it at that. All right. That's enough about Richard Burr. To be continued, guys. But please, if you reach out to your senator about this guy, I would really love to know that... <laughs> that I've reached 10 people who will do the same thing. And I want to thank I want to thank that Patreon supporter for sending me that message because I really did appreciate it. Would it be particularly helpful if it was people in North Carolina reached out? Well, yeah, I mean, they should reach out and just say, go jump in a lake. Um, <laughs> but I think it's also just making sure that the other senators know that their own constituents are watching how they treat mm-hmm. this betrayal of the public trust by one of their own colleagues, right? And I think that's probably happening. You saw Matt Getz, who is... Uh you know, conservative House member from Florida, he came out today trashing Burr, saying that he shouldn't be heading up the uh, the Intel Committee right now, being under FBI investigation. So there may be some pressure that they're receiving. And there's some of that stuff I think is disingenuous because Burr was the head of the Senate Intelligence yeah. Committee and did lead the Russia investigation. And so for- Of course, yes. For Trump cultists, they they just want to punish him for that. But I don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it turns your stomach when you see resistance people being happy that Tucker Carlson is going after Richard Burr. It's like, Tucker, it's, that's, that's not what he gives a shit about. Like, don't support Tucker Carlson. Come on, y'all. Ladies and gentlemen, the rumors are true. The streets are abuzz. The election profit makers have officially returned to answering listener questions. You can email questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Or if you support us on Patreon, you can always DM us via Patreon. Patreon supporter Christopher has written to us, John, and wants our opinions on two... I mean, I'm saying our opinions. He wants your opinion. I don't fucking know. He wants your opinion about two states in the presidential election. Those two states, John, Florida and Georgia, which he says are both undervalued for a Republican win in the presidential race. He says it seems like Florida would be an absolute lock for Trump in 2020. And then he says Georgia is another place that seems like a screaming good deal because these markets seem pretty low for a Trump victory. Take it away, John. All right. Thanks for your question, Christopher. I would say that we don't have much polling in either state at the moment right now, but the current spread on Real Clear Politics shows that Trump is up seven and a half points in Georgia. So I would feel 
quite comfortable taking Trump in Georgia. It's not the same in Florida. Florida, Trump is up, and I, uh, I imagine that he will be favored when it comes to November, but he's only up 1.3 points at this point. So That's amazing. Yeah. I, I, yeah, like I say, I'd be way more comfortable buying into Georgia. Georgia has a 12-point partisan lean compared to the rest of the nation, and Florida has just a minor lean towards Republicans. So I think if you were to ask me today who was going to win, I would say that, that Trump would win both of these states. But Florida, it's a little iffier. And, and the truth is the Democrats don't need either of these states. When you're looking at how the tipping point goes, the Democrats need to focus on those big four Midwestern states and potentially Arizona. Those are the those are the how the dominoes will fall. You're talking about Michigan now. Yeah, I'm talking about Michigan. I'm talking about Pennsylvania. I'm talking about Wisconsin. Um, we need everything we can get. So, yeah, we do need everything we can get. But if we win Florida and Georgia, it means we've already won. They're not going to jump up in the in the pecking order and become you know, more important. So would you tell people to buy Republican Party victories in Florida and Georgia? Because Florida, it's currently Republicans 56, Democrats 45. Georgia, Republicans 69, Democrat 33. Yeah, I don't know if I'd buy Georgia at 69, but, you know, in the in the mid to low 60s, I, I would buy Georgia. I think Florida is just too, we, we, there's just enough, we don't know enough right now about what's going to happen in Florida. But there's no, there's also no rush to get into these markets. They're pretty low volume. You, you, there's no, it's not like they're going to take off. Right. John's, you're, John's really living in the moment these days. We all are living in the moment right now. So maybe we should all be following John's lead. But the moment also feels like it's a thousand years long. So it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a, a time accordion that we're living in right now. There's a little sidebar I'm going to tell you here. No. There's this guy with this rock, okay? And he's got to get the rock <laughs> up to the top of the hill. And every time he gets it up to the top of the hill, it rolls all the way back down to the bottom of the hill. Okay? <laughs> this fellow's name is Sisyphus. He's from olden times. And we refer to a labor that seems fruitless and pointless and frustrating and eternally recurring as Sisyphean. Now, this is very interesting. When I was a freshman in college and I took a philosophy class for the first time, I was at the time a very committed Christian who prayed constantly. It's probably the only time I ever had OCD was in my prayer life, my inner life of prayer. I took a philosophy class and then I read an Albert Camus classic called The Myth of Sisyphus and it completely gave me an existential crisis and I started to realize that God could not be real and I was responsible for making my own meaning in my life. Okay, let's remember the immortal final sentence of that book. We must imagine that Sisyphus is happy. Okay, that's from memory. I'm not sure it's correct. Long story short, I had this existential crisis. My parents were very concerned because they're very devoted Episcopalians. And I went and I had tea with one of the ministers at our Episcopal church who was a medieval historian. He was an academic, but he was also a, a wonderful preacher. And he told me about this book. We were talking about the, the absurdity of life and the meaningless of not life and how can you make sense of meaning? How can you make sense of life if you no longer believe in God? He was talking about the absurdity of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And then he recommended another book by Albert Camus. Okay, he was going to fight Camus with Camus. What was the name of this second book? The Plague. This is one of the greatest novels I've ever read. Obviously, I've been thinking about it a lot recently. Maybe we should do like a special Patreon episode about it or something. If you read this book, it is one of the great 
anti-heroic heroes of all time. Not anti-hero like how Tony Soprano, oh, he's such a bad boy, but I kind of like him. He's an anti-hero. It's not like that. This is just a guy, he's a doctor who just grinds it out every single fucking day with this goddamn plague and these filthy fucking rats. People dropping dead all over the place. And what does he do? He just gets up every day and goes to work and handles his business and does as much as he can. I think about it all the time when I see these viral videos of people applauding out of their high-rise apartment buildings for our for our healthcare workers, the front lines, you know, fighting this disease, you know? So mm-hmm. I would recommend, if anyone has a copy of The Plague and has never read it, you should read it. It's a short novel. It's an incredible novel, okay? When he recommended it, was it a recommendation? He wasn't trying to bring you back to the church. He was saying, I, think he was, I, I too way. like Camus. I can't tell. I think about it a lot now because, and he's since passed away. I, and I can't re- really remember what his strategy was for recommending that book. I think it was just about, maybe it was a, maybe he was like, listen, all right, we might lose, we might lose you to the other side. Team atheism, yeah. right? Um, but, but here's an example of someone who is, who is making sense of life and having an ethical life, not through, you know, following doctrine or observing mm-hmm. sacraments or, or even believing in the example of Jesus as a moral avatar, but just like, he's just like Sisyphus with that damn rock. You roll it up the hill and you just do it every damn day, right? You make your mm-hmm. own meaning and you just try to make the world better. You know, it gets into like dentist poster aphorisms of you know, the things that kittens say when they're hanging off a tree. Like, Every day I'm going to try to make the world a little better. But when you really think about that stuff, it's like the heaviest shit possible. You know, it like really asks a lot of you. Yeah. Yeah. Every day. Hanging their kitty cat is the heaviest thing. Like you're saying every day is heavy and you're going to want to let go. Yeah, totally. You have to cling to that branch. Yeah, totally. The hang in their kitty cat is like one of the toughest motherfuckers in all of pop culture. Yeah. I put him up against Thanos any day of the week. (laughs) You know what I mean? This yeah. fucking kitty cat hanging on his branch? Are you kidding me? It's interesting when you think about the hanging their kitty cat because it is an act of hope to even regard the hanging their kitty cat because I am a person who who has a pessimistic worldview and I never in my life have imagined that cat letting go. Yeah, that cat's on that branch. And so that I feel like is a flame of hope inside me that I have always carried and that we all have always carried. Yeah, we I mean, could, totally. It's a, our I mean, minds could let the cat, he could drop. Well, now wait, hold on a second. Who is Good. saying hang in there? Are we saying it to the cat or is the cat saying it to us? No, we're saying it to the cat. Oh, really? No, but I think, no, 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 no. I think the cat is saying it. I think the cat is saying it to us. And also the cat is saying it in his own mind. To right, himself. yeah. We might yeah. be observing the cat's inner monologue, right? Yes. Like if yes. we were observing Sisyphus, he'd be like, again with this fucking rock. All right. And with the cat, it's like, yeah. hang in there. Hang in there. Meow, meow, hang in there. Meow, meow, hang in there. Can't let go. Meow, meow, hang in there. Yeah. I love that cat. Okay, guys. This is the moment we've all been waiting for. My high stakes position that John doesn't want me to take, but that I will take. But before I announce my position, Starly wants to give some context. So go ahead, Starly. So the CARES Act was signed into law. And the most recent thing that happened before it got signed into law that we all remember is Bernie giving that speech, right? Yeah. So I feel like that speech is being talked about a lot, the Bernie speech, which is a great speech. I've thought about it. I love the, I want it. I say my word to myself now. I'm going to incorporate that into my vernacular. Like he gives great speeches. 
the thing is, Bernie did a speech. I saw all these hashtags. It was like, thanks, Bernie. Thanks, Bernie. Thanks, Bernie. Okay. Another great speech, Bernie. But he wasn't there in the days before that, right? For the most part. And a lot of this unemployment provision stuff, the unemployment provision, from what I understand, was drafted by Michael Bennett, who had been working on it for months before that. And then I think Chuck Schumer is the one who folded it into the bill and it's stuff that Bernie agrees with, but it seems like the actual work of drafting, writing the provision was, very, was done by Michael Bennett. And you can correct me if I'm wrong because it's hard. I, it's, it's really hard to cross-reference with Twitter because everyone's got a position. The Senate is confusing. Hard. And I like that speech and I don't, maybe speeches are the only thing that matters right now. I'm skeptical that Bernie's speech is what made the SAS amendment not pass. I don't think it was his speech that- No, he acknowledged think, in his speech, like this thing's not going to pass. Yeah. But let me get on the and mic so, for a hot minute. Biden has also been giving a series of invigorating speeches that make the hairs rise on your arms and make your heart race and make you feel like a better world is truly possible. I mean, these speeches down in his his little bunker are just tr- <laughs> the stuff of legend. OK, this is like this is Churchill level shit right here. OK, you want to talk about incredible rhetoric and the power of rhetoric from our public figures and the capability of language to inspire us. Here was Biden's tweet. <laughs> Here was Biden's incredible tweet about the coronavirus that just put the current administration on notice. He said, if I were president, here's what I would do right now. Use all available authorities to turn the tide on this epidemic. When I read that, I was like, holy shit, the ideas this guy has. This could be a game changer. Then he said, I would launch a task force to ensure money rapidly gets to people who need it. I was like, Joe Biden's going to launch a task force. And finally, I would bring leaders of Congress together to build the next deal. And that's why I was like, fuck this guy. I These guys with their fe- with the fetish, the fetishization of fucking... Who was it? Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan getting together to like drink beer and cut social welfare or whatever. Like the bipartisanship fantasy is insane to me. Okay. And then the Tara Reid sex assault uh, allegation came out against. Long story short, I'm betting that Joe Biden will not be the Democratic nominee. I know that seems like a bit of a long shot right now. But I am taking that position, John, especially because New York has delayed its primary till June. No way is Bernie dropping out of this race. This race is going to go up right until the moment, the last possible moment. So I'm saying, and I don't know my reasoning yet. It's just a feeling down in my bones, you know, like like when it's about to rain and your uncle's knee starts a throbbing that Joe Biden is not going to be the Democratic nominee. John, am I a genius? We will see. Wow. So you think you think there's a chance? No. I mean, there, there's a chance, one in a million chance. What's it trading at right now? 80 cents. Yes. Oh, it's not even cents. a one in a million chance. Well, that's predicted. So do you think it's going to be Bernie? No. I know it won't be Bernie. Okay. So who... Can I just say that you, you guys... I don't that know, I, man. It's just a fucking feeling, man. I can't explain it. I don't know. I mean... I don't know, man. Like, I used to kind of like Joe Biden. I'm putting aside his policy stuff um, and just Mm -hmm. saying, like, he's an affable guy. I like that type of guy, you know? Yeah. Like, and I like his can-do, rah-rah, we're America, we own the finish line. Like, that stuff speaks to me if I'm in a good place, you know? Like, yeah, why not? Let's do great shit. We put a man on the moon. Fuck it. You know, let's make sure everybody can eat and, like, give kids free lunches. Like, who gives a shit? We put a man on the moon in the 1960s. We can feed these fucking school children, you know? That type of thing. Mm -hmm. 
but just like he's just I mean, he's just slowed down you know it's like a cassette that you've listened to so many times it's getting <laughs> warbly and and wobbly and it's just like this iron maiden mm-hmm. tape doesn't sound as good as it did 30 years ago it's like that you know what i mean <laughs> so yeah i don't know that part's not his fault right it's no it's right just yeah the ravages of time it's the ravages of time and also it seems like not not interested in the job. Maybe I'm projecting because I don't want to be present in either. There, I said it. <laughs> I, you know, I, there are lots of people who read that tweet about using all available authorities to turn the tide and using a task force to ensure the money rapidly gets to people who need it. And let's remember, rapidly is one of the quickest ways money can get to people who need it. Okay. And then bringing leaders of Congress together. I know there are people who read that and are like, God, that's what we've been missing in this country. That's why everything got so topsy-turvy, because nobody was launching a task force and no one was bringing the leaders of Congress together. <laughs> Great things happen when Mitch McConnell and and gets together with Democrats and they find common ground. I but know David, there's so he many didn't even who are, write that tweet. Who wrote it? Just some dumb lackey. That works for him. <laughs> yeah, but that's his sensibility. I mean, they wrote it in his voice. They're sure. a great ghostwriter, you know? What's he going to say? They fucking at Chuck Todd gave him the biggest gimme of all time on Sunday. He was like, do you think President Trump had blood on his hands? Because he fucked up this entire thing from soup to nuts and didn't order ventilators and made fun of governors and didn't send blue states enough equipment like they requested. Meanwhile, he's like clubbing Florida to death with ventilators and N95 masks because he likes Florida. And Joe Biden was like, oh, I don't know. I think that's a little bit harsh. I think basically he tweets too much. What the fuck? Yeah. You should come out and say, yeah, he's got blood on his hands. And as soon as I'm president, I'm going to fucking throw him in jail. Like, how yeah. does he not have blood on his hands? Come on, man. It's crazy. I think it's so crazy. John is looking so disgusted what... with me right now. You, no, think that's not a political, you think that's not a political savvy thing to do? Not if you're trying to appeal to people in the middle. So I think he came out and he said that I don't think that the coronavirus is Trump's fault. And he is right about that. But he did say that Trump's slow response has made things a lot worse. Now, that's not as exciting as coming out and saying that he has blood on his hands. But, um, yeah, he's he's going to. He's gonna play it more in the middle than than maybe than others we want. would like. Yeah. This is this I'm, is this is my theory. My theory is that Joe Biden does not want to be president. Oh, I'm in seizing, the yeah, 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 yeah. And he is seizing an opportunity to maybe have an out because <laughs> I think this pandemic is um, freaking him out. I think it's like mortally scaring him, and I think he's just. Thinking, there's a part of in the thinking. Maybe if I kind of recede a little bit just during this moment, uh-huh. they'll forget. <laughs> they'll forget, or something else will happen, or we'll put. There'll be a new. We'll just push the entire election till 2021, and they can find someone else. It might not be a fully conscious thought, but there is something happening that is very weird. He definitely does not want to be president. I do feel like he feels pressured into it, and he felt get a step up. Compare his he Bernie. I've never seen someone want to be president more, and I find it heart-wrenching the contrast between these two old men one who clearly wants to be president so badly another one who i don't think does but i i think it is very odd how biden is acting in this moment you think he's looking around at these headlines and looking at all the death toll numbers and he's like guys you know what this looks like it might be a lot of work yeah i i think he's also just like i feel 
tired. <laughs> I think he feels so tired. Yeah. My, I talked to my 80-year-old cousin the other day, and she was talking about him, and she was like, I feel so sorry for him. And I'm like listening to an 80-year-old talk about feeling sorry for another 80-year-old. She was saying that from her body. You know, her own body was feeling like, sorry I for know, him. I know what his bones feel like right now. Yes. Making these coronavirus yes. videos down yeah. in this bunker. Hmm. Bernie's going to be like, oh, we're going to keep debating, Joe. And Biden's like, I think everyone's had enough of debates. Guys, huh? Couldn't we do something else during those evening hours? Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's hearing about everyone's watching Tiger King. He wants to watch Tiger yeah, King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just feel that's what I – so I think there's a there's – a, so David, when you say that he might not be the nominee, there's something that is ringing true. I don't know how it could happen, but I think even I think if Biden heard you say that right now, he would feel he would feel so relieved. He would feel seen, you know. Yeah. He would feel seen. Yeah. You know, yeah. I see you, Joe Biden. I have eyes on you. I know what you're going through. Okay. We've all had jobs that we that we're like, yeah, I'll do that job, and then two weeks later, you're like, oh my god, I'm about to get out of bed and go do that job again. <laughs> You know what I mean? Or it's more like yeah. you have to keep applying for a job in public for a year and a half. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. I don't want this job. This job yeah. is like, this job is going to be horrible. All right. I'm getting a little yeah. bit depressed, I have to say. I don't think Bernie wants yeah. to be president either. I think really? Bernie, no. I think Bernie's in the sweet spot for him. He wants a platform to seed his ideas. What do you think? He wants to be president and strike deals with Mitch McConnell? How does that work? Out? How does that work out for him? Look what just happened. He just waltzed in at the at the eleventh hour for the CARES Act, and he get, gets all the credit without having to actually do any of the boring work. So I feel what he craves, and I relate to this, is power. He is so frustrated. The way Ben Sass talked to him after that speech, when he's right. like, "Oh, it's such a good that was right, entertaining." Right, right, right. Like that condescension that he has had to endure the entire time, being the only socialist in the Senate for. 50 years. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel that he is so frustrated and he just wants to call the shots, but he mm -hmm. doesn't actually, and, and his entire presidency would just be speeches. We are seeing his presidency play out. What That CARES Act thing was what exactly would happen if he was president. But maybe when you're president, you don't need to be doing the work. Trump doesn't need to. Right. Yeah. You set the, you set the tone and you set the agenda and you're supposed to change the horizons of what's possible and what people consider normal which yeah. we've had a masterclass in over the past three years. Someone like Bernie, yeah. like Joe Biden is not going to reset our conception of what is possible and how big and, and glorious our dreams can be as individuals, as a nation. Bernie would do that though, right? Yeah, yeah. No, he wouldn't. You don't think? He'd rewire our brains. He would. He would make us think differently. And that's what his, his contribution I so be. want Bernie to become president so you guys can see that he's just going to have <laughs> the most mundane ineffective presidency just like anyone else who's going to assume the presidency. But it's not about... It's, it's so hard to get anything done. Right. So, but it's not about the getting done. It would be the same. It's exactly... We just saw the... It, it's exactly how the Clears Act played out. He didn't get anything done, but his speech is what will enter... It would be a little airworm, right? And mm -hmm. that will work its way in and make us think differently. And the theory is if he did that for four years, at the end of it, we would come out a, a more giving, more generous, more warm-hearted society. He's definitely not dropping out. I'm I'm with you guys now. You are? You are? Yeah, the New York primary has been pushed from April 28th to June 23rd. And then you have- That's Yeah, delayed by almost two months. Bernie Sanders is so happy about that. Right. So then you have more than a dozen other states that have postponed primaries, and a right. lot of them are holding them on- on June 2nd. It's like a mini Super Tuesday. So you've got Biden who has this insurmountable lead, but he's has no time in, in between then and now to 
basically have a chance to clinch the nomination. He has to wait until mm-hmm. June 2nd. So it, Bernie has incentive now to stay in till at least June the 2nd. And he never really formally dropped out in 2016. He, he did endorse Hillary, but he continued to stick around. So yeah, I clearly was wrong on that. He's been our nominee since 2015. It's like when you like date someone in in elementary school and you never actually break up because you don't know what breaking up is. Mm-hmm. So they're technically mm-hmm. your lifelong boyfriend or girlfriend. All right. What are you guys going to bet on next week? There's nothing in there that looks exciting to me. Why aren't there the word ones anymore? Why aren't there any of those kind of bets anymore on Predict It? Predict It. If you're listening to this, bring back the word markets. <laughs> will Will Donald Trump say crooked Hillary in the debate? Maybe they're waiting for the yeah. debates, but just let yeah. it be like on the news, you know? Will Joe Biden say asparagus uh, on CNN in the month of May? I would get so heavy into that market. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to keep just betting on approval market stuff. Chip away at it. Chip away at it. You know, it's not the glamorous way to build a a retirement portfolio, but maybe that's what you should do. John, are you getting into anything? No, there's nothing in here. I think I'm going to play around in the vice presidential market. To be continued. I might buy the other side of your bet and and buy some Biden since he's so cheap right now. I wish you would. And I'll look forward to seeing you in hell. That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) This drama will be continued. The hottest of all hot takes. Biden will not be the Democratic nominee. I'm going to lose my shirt on this. I'm going to go down swinging and rise up singing. Kid Midas is back. Joe Biden, I have you in my theoretical crosshairs. We'll see what happens. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next week. Take care of yourselves. Yeah, take care. Bye, everyone. I don't know what to advise people to do. (laughs) Words of wisdom from America's dad, John Kimball. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell. You can support us at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. You can send your questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. 